please do take a seat. So uh, those of you that have read the update will know that we have a few unsung heroes to hear about this morning. Um, you might have noticed the slide at the beginning. It said, unsung heroes, many voices. There are many voices. There are a few voices, a handful of voices. Um, and so we're going to hear in a moment from Judith, who's going to tell us um, about the unsung heroes that she found. But first of all, I'm going to read the story. It's a fairly long section, but it does tell the story really clearly. So we need to, we need to hear all of it so that we uh, understand uh, what's happening in this story. So this is from 2 Kings chapter 7, and it's verses 1 to 16. But all of it's going to appear on the screen in front of you as well. And kids, you'll need to hear this story because there's going to be something for you to do in a moment. So listen up whilst you're drawing or doing whatever it is you're doing. Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a seer of the finest flour will sell for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If, if we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. I know, great logic. <laughs> at dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents and ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some of the things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, we went into the Aramean camp and no one was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys and the tents left just as they were. The gatekeepers shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. The king got up in the night and said to his officers, I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we're starving, so they've left the camp to hide in the countryside, thinking they will surely come out and then we will take them alive and get into the city. One of his officers answered, Make some men take five of the horses that are left in the city. Their plight will be like that of all the Israelites left here. Yes, they will only be like all these Israelites who are doomed. So let us send them to find out what happened. So they selected two chariots with their horses, and the king sent them after the Aramean army. He commanded the drivers, go and find out what has happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan, 
and they found the whole road strewn with clothing and equipment the Arameans had thrown away in their headlong flight. So the messengers returned and reported to the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. So a seer of the finest flour sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley sold for a shekel, as the Lord had said. Okay, what a story. So without stealing Judith's thunder, very quickly for the children, one of the main points of that story, kids, is that those men found a blessing, and they shared that blessing. So that's something you're going to do this morning. I found you a blessing. It's a punnet of grapes. You can have some for yourselves, but you also need to share them with other people. So while Judith's speaking very quietly, you can take them around and share them with other people. Who's coming to fetch them? Anybody? Lydia's coming. Brilliant. But you can both come. Oh, we are. Lydia, can you carry them? Can you manage? That's it. Got them? Okay, off you go. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. Great. So last Saturday, uh, when we had the safeguarding training, I said to Catherine, oh, I found another couple of unsung heroes. So um, when the email came out on Monday, I didn't really have any choice but to get up here today. So um, keep my mouth shut next time. So we've got the city of Samaria um, under siege. So Samaria was part of the kingdom of Israel at at that time. Um, And I won't go into the uh, gory details of what the siege had You know, the effect of the siege, you can read that in chapter 6 if you want to. Um, But Elisha had prophesied that flour and barley would be freely available in the city the next day, something that seemed humanly completely impossible. And then we have the lepers, outcasts from society who lived apart from the rest of the citizens. The last people that the king or the rest of the people in the city would be expecting to be of help in a siege. They probably weren't expecting to be of help to anyone themselves either. And pretty, we don't know that they were aware of Elisha's prophecy at all. But in their desperate circumstances, they made a decision to go to the enemy camp and surrender. And that's sometimes the case for us as well. We're not always aware when God is going to be using us. Um, We do things, we make decisions, we talk to people, we, um, you know, go into circumstances and might not be aware of what God's doing. But the story's a reminder that God knows far more than we do and he sees the whole picture of what's going on. We just have to play our part. And so the lepers arrived to find the camp deserted. God had already gone before them by causing the Arameans to flee Um, and leave the camp empty again it's for our seeing that god if god prompts us to do something then he'll have been at work beforehand in the situation preparing the ground again we might be completely unaware of that um, when god sends us or asks us to do something and katrin's already um, alluded to it the lepers were blessed by their action They went to the camp, it was empty, there was lots of food around, and they had a fantastic meal, I imagine. You know, um, we can't imagine what it's like to be so, so hungry. Um, But they found plenty of food to eat and drink and sat down and enjoyed it. And uh, God gives us good things to enjoy, doesn't he? We have lots of good things from God 
um, that come in various guises, but we shouldn't feel guilty about enjoying the things that God gives us. It's important to appreciate what God gives us. But along with that, um, the lepers recognised that it would be wrong for them just to keep this news to themselves. It was important for them to share what they'd been blessed with, with their fellow Israelites. And so they went back and reported it to the king. And again, as Catherine's alluded, it's important for us to share the blessings um, that God gives us, whether that's our time, our money, our experiences of God. It encourages us to know uh, encourages us in our faith to know that God has been at work in other people's lives. And that's the last we hear of the lepers, the unsung heroes of this story. We never know their names. We're not told if they were healed or if the king rewarded them for their actions. All we know is that, despite the king's initial scepticism, the city of Samaria um, was freed from siege and Elisha's prophecy came true uh, that flour and barley, when they raided the camp, were freely available the next day. Lepers were, as I've said, outcasts of society, shunned by the whole community because of the disease that they had. And yet God used them to bless the whole city. Now, we don't have leprosy, but we might have other things that limit us in, our, in some way might be our health, different health circumstances, might be our age, might be very, might feel we're very young and can't contribute, or not so very young and can't contribute. Um, or we might have, yeah, feel that we haven't really got very much to offer. We're all broken or limited in some way. But Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that we are God's masterpiece. He has made us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's a, a verse that reminds us that God has got things for us to do, for each of us to do. And being used by God might not outwardly change our circumstances. We don't know that it changed anything for the lepers apart from a full stomach. But um, uh, for me, the story of the unsung lepers shows us that God uses us in unexpected ways. He's sovereign, and whatever other people think of us, whatever our status, um, or whatever we think of ourselves, God has lined up good things for us to do that will bless others and will bless us and other people in ways we can't imagine. So we're going to come to our um, second unsung hero, who is Joseph of Arimathea. Some of you will know his story. I'm sure many of you will know his story. And um, Justin couldn't be here this morning, but he had a, some real good insight to share. Um, and so he's recorded a video for us. We're going to watch it in a moment. But whilst we're watching the video, which is only three minutes, Joseph of Arimathea, one of the points that Justin makes is that he took a risk and so you're going to play Jenga, children, because this is all about taking a risk. I recommend you do it on the carpet because it's quite noisy when it falls over. You coming to get it? Come on, then. Jonas is coming to fetch it. Good boy. Thank you. 
Okay, go for it. <laughs> right, let's watch Justin, and uh, he's going to tell us the story and make his points as well. Hi, everyone. Uh, sorry I can't be with you this morning, but I want to take a chance to tell you about someone in the Bible who I haven't thought a great deal about before. But two weeks ago at Real Pizza, uh, where we are working our way through Matthew's Gospel, we reached the story of Joseph of Arimathea. He was the man who went to Pilate after Jesus had been killed and all the other disciples had run away uh, and hidden because they were scared. He bravely went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Let me read to you what the Bible says. It's just a couple of short verses. There came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and placed it in his own tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. What do you think it means to be a disciple of Jesus? Well, the thing that makes Joseph a hero for me is because he answers that question so completely. Compared to the other disciples who'd all run away and hidden, his life and his actions were shaped completely by his love for Jesus. Firstly, he took a big risk for Jesus. He did something really brave in going to Pilate and asking for Jesus' dead body. Pilate could have had him killed, but he didn't let that stop him. Secondly, he did something really hard in taking Jesus' body down off the cross and wrapping it up in a clean linen cloth. That must have been gruesome and upsetting. But again, he did it because he loved Jesus. And thirdly, we're told that Joseph put Jesus' body in his own tomb. Now in those days, only the really rich had their own tomb prepared for themselves in advance of their death, with no expenses spared. But Joseph was more than ready to use his resources to honour his Lord and Saviour, Jesus. So he didn't hesitate to give his best to Jesus. So I hope you can see why Joseph deserves to be called a hero with a small h. Because he centred his whole life on Jesus, the only true hero with a capital H in the Bible. I hope it inspires you to make Jesus the centre of your life, to take risks for him, to do things that seem really hard for him and to put your resources at his disposal. Thanks for listening. Something to ponder on. Um, so before we sing again and worship again, we're going to have our next unsung hero, um, sometimes known as Tabitha, but otherwise known as Dorcas. And again, I'm going to read the story to you, and then Julie is going to come and share uh, her thoughts about Tabitha. 
So this is from Acts 9. And I'm reading verses 32 to 42. 36, sorry, to 42. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became ill and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood round him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made whilst she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Julia. Oh, I might need my glasses. I'll just bring them in case. <laughs> Try with that. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so my unsung hero or heroine is um, Tabitha. And um, we only hear about her once in the Bible, in the passage that Catherine's just read to us. And in some ways, superficially, her story could seem a little bit mundane, that she just did nice things for people. Um, and actually, her story, if we went back a few verses from where um, Catherine started reading, the, the hero that is more prominent in a way in, in this bit of the Bible is, is the Apostle Peter because he um, in the town that we hear about um, the town called Lydda he had just miraculously healed um, a paralyzed man and then we come into Tabitha's story and as we see later on in her story Peter's back on the scene and so the thing about Tabitha that first drew me to her when I was thinking about unsung heroes is the fact that she's a seamstress and she's gifted at making clothes and she used that gift to bless others in her local community. And I think some of you probably know that I quite enjoy sewing myself and making clothes and things. So I think that's why I could readily relate to Tabitha in the story and somehow, before I really thought about it, in my mind, I was imagining these kind of elaborate, ornate clothes that she was making. Um, but actually, when I looked into it and what the Bible tells us about the clothes she was making is they were pretty basic clothes. And in fact, some of it was what they could call under tunics. So effectively, underwear, which people might not actually ever see. Um, and she was making these particularly for the poor people in her community and especially for the widows who, you know, as we've already heard in, in society, there were certain groups, lepers being one and widows being another, who were very much marginalised and often in real need. Um, so that's what Tabitha used to do. Um, and in verse 36, we read, we read that she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. And I think what stuck out to me was the always bit. And I, I read the passage in a few different versions. 
And it really struck me how she just had this lifestyle of always giving to others and doing things for others. And, and the Passion Translation puts it, she lived her life doing kind things for others and serving the poor. And, you know, reading this, a little bit of me thought, well, this is something that in our church family we all kind of embrace the idea of serving each other. And it did really make me feel privileged to be part of this church family, where the whole idea of um, sort of reaching out to each other and supporting each other is something that, you know, we recognise God really values and that we enjoy doing for each other. So I just wanted to say that, really, that, that it does feel a privilege and we shouldn't take for granted being a part of a church that... We really do look out for each other, and certainly I really appreciate that myself. And then I guess the other thing, when we're thinking about practical ways that we can help and support each other, sometimes there can be a temptation to think that we've got to do something really impressive, like make a glamorous dress rather than a bit of underwear, um, or cook a gourmet meal um, rather than make someone a sandwich. And when I was um, thinking about Tabitha's story, I was reminded about some other Bible verses in Matthew that, that give us a, more of an insight into just how important simple acts of kindness and service are to God. And some, I'll read these verses in a minute, but somehow I, hadn't, I just hadn't clocked that they're in the context of the final judgment day and Jesus is explaining to his disciples what will happen on that day. So the, the verses I'm going to read are from Matthew 25. It's nine verses, 31 to 40. And I'll put my glasses on for this because it's in smaller font. <laughs> um, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And this is referring to Jesus talking about himself, in fact. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he'll separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. And so, as I say, the, the thing that struck me was, wow, the people that were going to receive the blessing and inheritance of the kingdom were not the people that you might kind of immediately think of. So I was thinking you might think that the sheep that Jesus would pick for that blessing would be maybe these amazing preachers that preach to stadiums full of people and lots of people become Christians or um, people that are involved in miraculous healings. But actually, it's not those people that... yeah 
I mean, it just blows my mind. The more I think about it, what God's looking for is just our humble hearts and our willingness to offer him whatever it is we've got. Um, and obviously not these days, it's not very often that it's a cup of water that someone needs, although sometimes it is. And I was thinking of a couple of seemingly trivial modern examples might be, you know, you're at the checkout in Asda and there's a mum in front of you with some kids that have had enough of shopping and really fed up and you might choose to, or she's behind you, sorry, you might choose to let her go ahead of you in the queue. Um, or another example, and I often have this on my way to work, driving to work, trying to get out of a really busy junction and somebody chooses to give way and let you out in front of them. And it might seem like a totally trivial thing, but actually it's a small demonstration of God's heart towards the person that you're helping out. And you might think, well, how's that any different from someone who's like not a Christ follower doing the same good deed? Because there are lots of people that do good stuff. And I think... In my work as a nurse, um, I suppose especially in palliative care, there are so many lovely people. And sometimes I find myself thinking, well, what's the difference between me doing something good and somebody who doesn't know Jesus doing something good? And I've had to sort of reflect on this quite a lot over, over a number of years. And I think where I've got to with it is that as, as a Christ follower, if we're genuinely just longing to show people God's heart for them and serving him out of sort of motivated by love and gratitude to God then there's a, a spiritual part to what happens and even if the person that we're blessing doesn't know we're a Christian as presumably the person in the car wouldn't that actually that softens sort of being in receiving a blessing and something practical sort of softens their heart and I know when it's happened to me you just get this really nice warm feeling inside and it's because you've experienced a, a, a just a little touch of God's heart of love and grace that actually that can be part of someone's big story you just never know and and um Judith referred to it as this idea of unexpected times where you just you don't think God's going to use you or you don't realise he's using you. But actually, when we're serving out of that place of just longing that other people would have what we have and just feeling so blessed to um, be God's sons and daughters, then he can do something amazing, even with what we might think is really quite trivial and perhaps think imagine it's insignificant. Um, so again, I hope there's a bit of a theme. I hope it will encourage all of us that we don't have to do great exploits. Um, we just have to be in a place where we're willing and available um, and take opportunities to, to bless other people. Thank you. out of death to you alone belongs the highest praise to you alone belongs the highest praise 
so we've come to our last unsung hero. Um, and I'm sure you'll recognise this story. So it's about a, a boy with a picnic. Um, and before I read it, the children have been making something, actually. Um, it's probably not ready. Nothing's ready yet, I shouldn't think, is it? Maybe it's on the cusp of being ready. So whilst we were listening to the story of Dorcas, who shared her creativity with others to bless others, they've been... Uh, getting creative so they might have something to share with you afterwards um, the next thing you're going to need these hands so do you want to come and get them before I tell the story and then you'll be ready to to go with the last thing you can take them down there no you need them you need them down there well done <laughs> excellent <laughs> you can show us afterwards right let's hear this story about the boy with the picnic sometime after this Jesus crossed to the far shore of the sea of Galilee that is the sea of Tiberias and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He only asked this to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So Dan's going to come and share with us um, why the little boy with his lunch, the picnic, is an unsung hero. And children, those hands that you've got, you're going to think about what God's given you that you might want to share in the same way that the little boy did. And you're going to write them or draw them on the hands. Good morning. Um, so I chose this as uh, this little boy is an unsung hero. And actually, funnily enough, we, we heard um, just the reading there in jo Gospel of John. But actually, it's accounted for in Matthew, Mark, and Luke as well. So it's in all four, the stories in all four uh, of the Gospels. And it's, Jesus had just crossed the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people have followed him because he would he do lots of healing, healings, lots of miracles, and a great number of people... I uh, followed him, and they, they were thinking, so a great number of people, how are we going to feed them? You know, the, maybe the local McDonald's had, had, had stopped serving, or uh, it was that time of the, the day when actually it was getting on quite late. So how are we going to feed them? So Philip, one of the disciples, he, he takes a very kind of human, uh, uh, kind of uh, looks at the problem in a human response. We haven't got enough money you know, we've got 5,000 men there. Uh, that's not accounting for the women and the children that are there as well, so thousands more probably. 
How are we going to? We haven't got enough money. And then another disciple, Andrew, said that he found a boy with five loaves, five barley loaves and two fish. Effectively, he's packed lunch. So, uh, and if we think about having a, a, for a number of people here this morning, if we had somebody brought their packed lunch along, uh, then there wouldn't be enough to go around, really, would they? Uh, except for actually 5,000 people. How are we going to do that? How far would that go? So Jesus, but Jesus took what the little boy had, or the, the boy had, and he blessed it, and he, he gave thanks for it, and he, he distributed it. He gave it out to others. And we, we find that all the people had enough to eat, that a miracle happened. And they even had 12 baskets of leftover, uh, leftover pieces. So that, that is a real miracle. And what I want to, to kind of highlight from the passage is this story is in all four of the Gospels. But actually, it's only in John that the boy is referred to. So I, I would say he's a very unsung hero. Yeah, the boy didn't... Jesus didn't ask the boy to feed everyone. Jesus didn't go to that little boy, and, uh, uh, that boy and say, we've got 5,000 here. We're, you're going to have to feed them out, all of them. So whatever, over 5,000, you're going to have to feed them, or, them all. Jesus took what the boy had had and did something miraculous. He took those five loaves and two fish, all that the boy had. Sometimes we feel like we have a problem, like we're feed, like feeding the five thousand. We think it's too big a problem, but don't worry, because Jesus takes what we have and turns it into a miracle. Sometimes we feel we haven't got much to give. We might we feel like we haven't got the skills, the knowledge the time, the gifts, just give it to Jesus and let him to do, let him do something miraculous with what you've got. Okay, so a number of unsung heroes this morning. Hasn't that been such a pleasure to hear all of those different stories and to enjoy them together with the children as well? Um, and to hear about all of those unsung heroes in the Bible. So I'm just going to do a quick recap for those of us that maybe sometimes find it hard to remember things. That's me. Um, the first unsung hero, if you remember, was about four lepers. Um, and they discovered a blessing and they decided that they would share it. Um, and so if you remember, the children brought you all some grapes. I wonder if there are any left. <laughs> um, the second unsung hero was Joseph of Arimathea who took a risk and he did something tricky um, and the kids played a game of Jenga together to learn about what it means to take a risk. The third unsung hero was Tabitha. She got creative and she used her skills to make things um, and suddenly she died and then amazingly was brought back to life again to carry on using those skills to make good things to give away. And then the fourth unsung hero that Dan's just shared with us, a little boy who took his packed lunch, four barley loaves, they would have been little tiny rolls and two fish. And God used, Jesus used what was in his hand and the children um, 
had little hands to draw on or write on, to think about what they've got in their hands that Jesus might want to use to bless others with. And so this week, I've got a challenge for you. Who are you going to share the blessing with? Who are you going to share your punnet of grapes with? Who are you going to take a risk with this week? Ask Jesus to help you to put someone in your way where you could take a risk and maybe share the love of God with that person. You don't know what reaction you're going to get. How could you use your creativity this week? It doesn't have to be in making.